Okay, solo pod number one, little Q&A, Joel Klatt style. We're going to give it a go. A lot of great questions, some absolutely obscene questions um, were sent to me for this pod. But nonetheless, I want to get into a little little action here after Martini and I spent all last episode kind of just ripping into the coaches poll, the AP poll, and, and what we would do to change it. Didn't get too down and dirty into the games this week and the games last week. So I'm going to jump into some of the questions. The first question I got, I'm not going to be dropping names on who asked, but first question was, does Notre Dame football make you want to kill yourself? Um, interesting question. Could answer that a lot of ways. Easiest way to answer that would to just say yes. Um, it took me 10 days to get over the Ohio State game, which if you're doing the math, yes, I I couldn't get over the Duke game till just maybe yesterday because I was still getting over the Ohio State game. Top two experience of my life in Notre Dame Stadium on September the 23rd. You know, there was about 10 plays late in the game and we only need to make one of them. We didn't make a single one, coaches included. DBs included. Um, so it is what it is. You know, we control a lot of what's going to happen to us coming up. It's It makes me sick to my stomach that Ohio State left that game with a W. And yeah, it, it genuinely made me sick to my stomach. So I, I, I don't think I'll ever fully get over that game, um, especially near Ohio State fans. It's just going to make my blood boil. But Hey, they won the game. All we can do now is is win out. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up that question with another question. Would would you still want to watch if if it didn't make you want to kill yourself? You know it. If anything, it makes it makes you feel more alive. Whether it's the joy or the pain, more frequently the pain. But yeah, just sometimes sometimes I just need to feel something and, and that's what Notre Dame football gives me once a week for about four months out of the year. So I thank them for that. I thank them for always playing hard, whether they get the results they they need or the results I want. They play their keisters off for us. So I'm eternally grateful for the Irish for for going out there every Saturday and give me something to root for. But short answer is yes. Um, gonna follow up that with the second ND question we got mailbag if Notre Dame loses to USC for the second consecutive year where does that leave Marcus Freeman and are changes necessary so interesting I've seen a pretty split community on Marcus Freeman, especially after the blunders in that Ohio State game. We don't have to get into them explicitly, but the thing that's so hard about a guy like Marcus Freeman is when you jump into a spot like this, you are taking over from a decade plus of one guy, Brian Kelly. So Brian Kelly had 10, 12 years 
to build up his Notre Dame program. You know, it it didn't change much. You know, we had better teams than we did with Weiss, obviously, and he recruited better and we had some great teams in there. But in college football, when you're taking over from such a long, just grueling period as the Kelly era was, it it seems short-sighted to bounce a guy out after two years, especially with it being so different from the NFL in in terms of what recruiting is and what that does for a program. So in the NFL, you're going to draft. You're going to spend money and buy players and free agency. It's, it's different in college football. College football, you get a guy in that can recruit. Then you build off those recruits. Then you build off those recruits. And hopefully in about three years of getting your guys, you'll have a team that can compete for a national championship. Obviously, that's not the case everywhere. There's probably less than 20 schools that could get the right guy in, recruit the right guys, and then compete for a national championship. But I, Notre Dame's one of those places. So it is it is difficult when a guy is building something and it's starting to look good and you're bringing in some five-star quarterbacks, you're bringing in four stars across the board to get them out of there because then it throws off your next three to four years of recruiting because at the end of the day, those kids signed with Marcus Freeman more so than Notre Dame in many cases. So... What happens if you get rid of Freeman, if he loses to USC? Guys will flip immediately. Guys in spots that you're trying to fill for 24, 25, 26 are going to flip, and now you have to get back on the recruiting trail and start building something new, something different with a new guy. I think that would I think it would set us back more than it would move us forward. I do think he's a young coach and he has a ton to learn, and I don't think he's been great this far. But I do think he is a leader of men. And he is the kind of guy that Notre Dame needs. He's a much better, more genuine guy than Mark than Brian Kelly was, and I appreciate that about him. But in, in big game situations, he simply has to be better. Um, losing to USC, which would be the second year in a row, is terrible, especially after the run we had in taking them down for some time. But to me, it's that's not the end-all, be-all. Like, it's not exactly the Ohio State-Michigan, you know, where if you can't beat Michigan at Ohio State, everyone's on Ryan Day's ass or vice versa. So at those schools, you bring someone in who could beat Ohio State or relatively could beat Michigan. If, if we can't beat Caleb Williams in two years, like, it is what it is. He's one of the best prospects in college football history. So that, to me, is not the breaking point for Marcus the Marcus Freeman era in Notre Dame, but I definitely think he needs to show me a little more as a head coach, not just as the head of a program because as the head of a program I would I'd give him an A. As a football coach, he's sitting at around a C right now. I think his coordinators have done a very good job. I think he's uh 
motivator. And that was clear last year with the way the second half was versus the first half. And I was very pleased with how we finished last year with Drew Pine at quarterback. You know, so I think that conversation is something to be had by the end of the season. Um, not so much just predicated on USC. If we go out and get smoked by USC, which I don't think is ever going to happen, you know, maybe those those talks get a little louder and they start getting to Marcus Freeman a little bit. But I think you got to give them at least three or four years. If if next year, after two classes come in of his guys, and he's still not able to beat USC or Clemson or whoever it is, you know, maybe you start looking elsewhere. Maybe you bring in a more solidified head coach that, you know, there's not many guys want to pass up head coach in Notre Dame. That's that's a fact. Um, so I, I don't think we're ready, and I'm not ready personally to get back out on the the coach market, head coach market. So, you know, Marcus Freeman, you got a lot to learn, pal, but I think you're, think you're grading out pretty well so far. All right, let's get off the topic of Notre Dame here for a minute, move on to the next question, which is biggest surprise so far and biggest letdown. I think, you know, it's this year in particular – it's a lot easier to pick out the surprises um, on a positive side because there's been so many and those are the teams you're really paying attention to. You kind of key in on the teams that are overperforming rather than underperforming. I think there's more of those. So obviously you go up and down the Pac-12 and you have the best conference in college football. That's a big surprise. There are teams in there. Washington graded out very well preseason. Heisman Heisman candidate quarterback coming in, but the how dominant they've looked aside from, you know, a couple quarters of that game against Arizona. Surprise. Um, Michael Penix is every bit as good as advertised. He is an incredible quarterback that no defensive coordinator wants to see this year. And defensive coordinators that are going to see him this year are losing sleep over. I think the same goes for Oregon State. They're legit. People thought they would be solid. I don't know that people thought they'd be going beating Utah on a Friday night, whether or not your star quarterback is playing. So I think there's plenty in the pack, Pac-12 in terms of positive surprise. In terms of letdown, um, and I'd say that across the board, fans of this program would agree, but it has to be LSU. Um, two losses by October – both pretty back-breaking losses. Obviously, you go week one, and kudos to them for playing and scheduling a, a game against that Florida State team, but get handled by Florida State. Win a couple games that get people back on board against not very good teams, and then have your defense go get trounced by Ole Miss. Um, it, it just really shouldn't be happening. That That's a game else you should win. That's a game LSU shouldn't be giving up 50 points. Obviously, that defense should not be giving up 50 points to anybody. You have the better recruits and the more established guys on the defensive side of the ball. You have a Heisman candidate on the offensive side of the ball taking the snaps. And, you know, they're they're sitting at 23 right now. That's that's kind of a joke. They, they really should not be ranked. I don't know what 
what they're hitting to be able to get ranked. Um, if, if someone cared to explain to me how they're ranked, I would I would love to to hear that argument. But yeah, they've been a letdown. Alabama's sitting at eleven. Uh, I wouldn't call them a letdown. They had that game, um, you know, mixing in their quarterbacks, and I think that was a point from Nick Saban because as close as it was, he knew they were never going to lose that game. They lost to Texas, who's probably the best team in the country right now for all intents and purposes. So they're not a letdown to me. Alabama fans would probably say they're a letdown because they expect to go 12-13-0 every year and then play for a national championship. But other than that, I, I can't think of many teams that I, I feel let down by. Obviously, Colorado in terms of surprise. But I think the, the deeper you get into that, I think you know you see that Shadur is a phenomenal quarterback. The, the other talent they have catching the ball, defending the pass. You know, they, they have a good team over there. The trenches were obviously in question, and the trenches haven't looked great in their big games, but, you know, they have Dion, so they're getting all the pub right now, and I think a lot of it is warranted. I, I, I really don't have too many teams that I'm let down by, um, and this might be crazy to say, but I've been a little let down by Georgia, who's the number one team in the country. They're just not as good as I thought they'd be. I don't think they're getting the production from the transfers they brought in. I think Carson Beck isn't where they thought he would be by now. Um, he's so experienced in that program. You, you thought he was going to come in and just, you know, be, you know, the next from the next Stetson Bennett and fit in and gel really well. I don't think that's the case. He's leaned on Brock Bowers so much. So much in the last couple of weeks um, when it matters. Their trenches were getting pushed back by Auburn, who beat Cal by four. And I think that's where the biggest surprise is and letdown is that D-line and that O-line not being dominant when they really should be. So as crazy as it is to say, but I've, I've been let down by the number one team in the country that is remaining at the number one spot on both the coaches and AP poll. Peep our last episode to hear us talk about that and, and how we feel about that. But yeah, I, it would have to be LSU for disappointment. You know, Brian Kelly's going to Brian Kelly at the end of the day. So they shouldn't be ranked. They got a tough one, tough one coming up, Missouri and then Auburn. I think, you know, I, I want to go for Mizzou here. I'm hearing a lot of hype on this Mizzou team. Mizzou's a solid team, don't get me wrong, but I think this is kind of this is a very bad time to get LSU if you're Missouri. You get in, you get your ranking, you get the number next to your name, and then you got to face a team that's definitely going to come out guns a blazing. Nothing to lose at this point, so they're not worried. They're just going to come out and play free. So that's a difficult one for Mizzou, but then but then you got, um, you know, then they got Auburn, and Auburn's not going to be an easy game as we saw last week with Georgia. Luckily, they have that one in Death Valley, which will make a big difference. But like, I, will they lose four games? Probably. Um, you know, they're going to lose to Alabama. I don't think they're beating Alabama two years in a row. A&M is looking a lot better. They get them end of the season. So, you know, I, I see potentially four or five losses for this LSU team. And 
you know, you're starting the season off at a top five team, four losses is is pretty insane. And and there's not many teams that start off ranked in the top five that that end unranked, let alone outside of the top ten or fifteen. So they would have to be the biggest biggest letdown. Brian Kelly has to be on the hot seat. You know, I think I think you're it's a lot easier to let people down in South Bend than it is in Baton Rouge. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. All right, next question here. Do I think that it's possible for three Big Ten teams to make the college football playoff this year? As ridiculous as this sounds, um, yeah, it is possible. Um, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan will have to only lose to each other. They will all have to have one loss. Only one of those teams will play for a conference championship, and one of them will have to win it. The other two will have to not play and end the season 11-1. and one. Doesn't matter who wins the Big Ten championship, but then you'd need Notre Dame to take down USC. You'd need Georgia to go down to Kentucky, and you'd need, to, you'd need these to start happening this week. That's why I say Georgia would need to go down to Kentucky. Um, there's about... 10 to 15 teams that would need to lose pretty quickly for this to happen. Um, You'd need Florida State to drop two and maybe a backdoor Clemson uh, ACC champion if they win out. Um, So you'd need two loss, two to three loss conference champions across the board here. And you'd also need Notre Dame to lose another game but probably beat USC. If the Pac-12 eats each other alive, which is entirely possible, the gauntlet that the Washington, Oregon, and USC play for the next couple months, it's possible. So I would say you need Georgia to drop two and not win their conference championship. Maybe Bama to drop another and win the SEC, a weak SEC um, you need a two-loss ACC, perhaps Clemson, to win the ACC. And, yeah, I, I'd say that if you have some two- to three-loss conference champions, which has never happened um, in the playoff era, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State could all get in um, from the Big Ten. Kind of a ridiculous question, but... Yeah, that's that's how I'd answer that. All right, next next question. Um, after after that one, I don't think we're gonna have to worry about a possible three team, three Big Ten team college football playoff. But this next one, why will Missouri beat LSU this weekend? Not how, not will, um, but why? So already putting it out there that Missouri's gonna win in that kind of kind of encapsulated in that question. So what's the why behind that? Um I'd say there's one one of the two teams is Harrison Mevis and the other doesn't. Uh the team that has Mevis is the Missouri Tigers. Um so you got a kid with unlimited range hit kicking for you. He's a beast. He'll get it done. No, but in all seriousness, uh, and I know I, I mentioned 
uh, LSU kind of being in a bounce back spot here, which might be tough for Missouri, but Missouri is going to be insane this weekend. You know, this is as good as they've looked in a while, probably since um, Drew Locke, um, the hype around this team. I I think they're a solid team. They And we talk a lot about team, the AP ranking, but I mean, Missouri has a better resume than Georgia. They beat a ranked Kansas State team. Georgia doesn't have a ranked win yet. So while I'm not saying put them at one, I'm saying they have a legitimate resume right now in the SEC. They have one of the best SEC wins this year. That's, you know, that's nothing to scoff at. Have they looked pretty bad at times against inferior opponents such as Memphis, Middle Tennessee, South Dakota? Yeah. Go beat Vandy by 17. Probably would have liked, you know, to make that 24 to 30. But survive in advance and then winning conference is, is kind of the kind of the mantra for this season, it feels like. So um, Brian Kelly has had years in the past where one loss, early loss, determines the rest of his season. Um, in 2016, Notre Dame went down to Duke at home. I was at that game. I proceeded to lose six of their last seven, I believe, including um, to Northwestern. So he he is capable of really mailing it in after a tough loss, which obviously Ole Miss last week was as tough a loss as you can stomach. The other, the other facet of this is we've seen, especially in the SEC this year, home field means a lot seems to mean more than just the three points you get on the line. So they're going to go into a hostile environment. Missouri's going to be up in flames, and they're ready to give it their best shot of the season. They also know that if they win this game, their their room for rising in the ranking goes up exponentially. So I talked a lot yesterday about how you kind of pull teams based on the future. So you don't particularly want to move Missouri up too high before this LSU game because then you kind of do it for no reason if they lose to LSU and then it's like, oh, well, maybe we we weren't right on it with that one. So they have a they have a legit shot to be a six six and oh with two ranked wins. Um that will put them in a select group of teams that will be able to say that um i'm buying into i'm buying into mizzou a little bit so go tigers okay so last question i'm going to get into tonight is regarding this maryland osu game it's in columbus at safe life field this saturday big noon kick you know the 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 question's coming from a, a Maryland fan, and they want to know what I think about this matchup. Ohio State is a very good team. Do I think it, nine out of ten times they lose that game to Notre Dame? Yes. Did they beat Notre Dame? Yes, they did. So we're, we're living in the world where they beat Notre Dame. I, I tend to think that this Ohio State team is – is going to run the table after a win like that. That is the kind of win that 
it, it really changes the, the direction of your season. You know, you start off 3-0, and and then you got the big one. You know, you're getting some, some criticism, coach, quarterback. It's coming from all angles. It, the, oh, McCord isn't it. What, blah, blah, blah. McCord is good quarterback. He's getting better every week. And I tend to think that they will be much more comfortable against Penn State and Michigan because of the way they got out of South Bend just two weeks ago. So with that being said, I do think there is the possibility for a little slip up, especially with this Maryland team is 5-0. and and they have one common opponent with Ohio State. That common opponent opponent is Indiana. Maryland hung 44 on Indiana. 44 to 17 last weekend. I, in Indiana is dog shit. Let's just let's just leave it at that. But Twalia 24 34 352 five touchdowns. They averaged about six to seven yards a carry, and they absolutely shredded them through the air. Twalia is somehow still in college, but he's been getting better each year. He couldn't hold on to the ball his his first year into his second year, but you started to see that he can really push the ball down the field, and that's the kind of guy you want, especially Maryland. You're going to be playing some of the best defenses in college football. Obviously, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, virtually every year. So you want a guy that's able to, you know, make some plays. You're not gonna, you're not gonna win or compete in those games with a guy that's just checking down and, and trying to establish a run. Because if you're looking at, if you're looking at the trenches, you're just so oversized and overmatched that it, it's really not a feasible game plan. So they have the guy that can push it down the field. Notre Dame in that game against Ohio State wasn't really able to push down the field, and no one thus far really has against Ohio State, with Sam Hartman really being the only threat to do so. But then again, that really wasn't our game plan. Um, The way we were running the ball in the second half, Maryland won't be able to do. So they'll need to throw more and give themselves more opportunity to push the ball down the field. Indiana lost 23-3 to Ohio State. So you know, take from that game what you will. I know McCord is going through some growing pains. They were working on some things. They weren't all there. But if you're looking just at the common opponent, which which is really the only you know mirror you can you can look at this through as a as a matchup, Maryland looked better against Indiana than Ohio State did. It's going to be tough playing in Columbus, obviously. Talk enough about home field advantage. There is a legitimate possibility that this game is very close going into the fourth quarter. I think they're able to keep this within 10 for much of the game. And, uh, you know, I'm not a Maryland fan, so I don't know how moral victories go out that way. But I would say if you're able to keep it within 10 at Ohio State, that's about as much as a moral victory as you can have. So I'm pretty excited for that game. We're going to learn a lot about this secondary because they're going to be getting 
it's going to be air raid all game. So we'll see if Ohio State secondary is as good as everyone's telling you it is. So definitely, definitely a game that I'm sure Ohio State and Ryan Day are talking about not looking looking past. This is this is one of those games that you might have to battle a little bit if you're Ohio State. You know, doesn't come at a great time when you're preparing for, you know, the big two coming down the stretch, but you know, it's a it's a big game against a good team in Columbus this weekend, so we'll see how they fare. You know, I'll leave it at that for today's little Q&A action. Um, you want to check out our um, deposition on the AP and coaches poll from last night? You can. It'll be up tonight. Thank you for the questions. Um, yeah, first time doing the solo pod, so uh, feel free to let me know how it went, what you think. Peace.